This Week on Dig Me Out. If the physicist Neil deGrasse Tyson were to be a 90s alt band, this would be it. Tim and Jay Review, Frankfurt Telephonics by Mars Accelerator. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it is episode 172. We're on season four, and believe it or not, we have another requested review. Requested, requested review. review. Shocker. I know. We've had a lot this year. A lot of people mm-hmm. want us to check out records. And uh, in many cases, they are ones that we have not heard of. And in this case, I was not familiar with the band. Uh, they're called Mars Accelerator. Jay, have you ever? Did you ever uh, listen to Mars Accelerator back in the day? Uh, I listened to Mars Electric. <laughs> well, not maybe we'll qu- do an episode on that band. Maybe but the name is familiar. I don't know if it's because of that other band or not. But uh, no, I never actually listened to it. I've listened to Mouse on Mars, which mm. is a uh, electro electronic band. Not this band, not Mars Accelerator. Uh, it was suggested to us by Mr. David Mayfield. He said we should check out the album Frankfurt Colon Telephonics. And there's a parenthesis in there with some more stuff, but I'm just going with Frankfurt Telephonics as the abbreviation for this album. So, Jay, you were not familiar, I was not familiar. I think this would be an opportune time for us to talk about the history of the band and get into uh, where exactly this band is from and what they're all about. History of the band. Quick quiz, Jay. Where do you think this band is from? Country or city? Any Anything. Country will de- determine um, the city, right? Or city will determine the country. Yeah. Wow. Good question. Um, I was either going to say Northeast or like North Carolina. So either like Connecticut or North Carolina. So Connecticut or North Carolina. Now, why? What? What is your uh, reasoning for that? I is the North We're Carolina because the, of yeah, go ahead. Uh, like the angular guitar. Okay. Stuff. All right. Well, you're wrong on both counts. Thanks. So, Mars for belaboring that point. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Sometimes you're real close. Yeah. Uh, This time you are not. This band formed in Seattle, Washington. Oh, okay. In 1995, by vocal and vocalist and guitarist Bobby Nath, guitarist Mark LeBlanc, drummer Casey Bonham, and bassist Victoria Sloan. They released their first album a year later, I Am the South Pole, on the uh, indie label RX Remedy, and two years later released their second album, the one that we're reviewing, Frankfurt Telephonics, also on RX Remedy. After the release of that album, drummer Bonham and bassist Sloan left the group. Uh, Nath and LeBlanc carried on, adding additional uh, new members, Mary Genova on bass and vocals, and Justin Tomsevic on drums and percussion. They also added a second, or excuse me, a third guitar player in John Dillon, who played guitar, uh, keys, and then various miscellaneous 
instruments as well as some backing vocals. It would be 11 years before they released their third album, Clouds for Your Y-Axis. They released this as a free download on their website. However, as of the recording of this podcast, their website is no longer active. So you cannot download that album anymore. You can find it on websites such as CD Baby if you were interested, but you cannot download it for free anymore. So that is the very brief history of Mars Accelerator. If you want to suggest an album for us to review, please visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. So Jay, uh, Dave Mayfield was the one who suggested that we check out this band, and he also provided us some Facebook feedback for this record. He said, I stumbled on this band after moving to Seattle in 1997. Caught them in a show with Reservoir, which was a spinoff of the band Space Needle, which we reviewed last year. Heard the song, I'm going to say it is uh, 10 hours and 40 minutes, but it's 1040M. I think that's 10 hours and 40 minutes. Not sure. Uh, Heard the song 10, 10 hours and 40 minutes live and was hooked by the spacey slide guitar. If you like strange riffs a la polvo and sciencey lyrics a la hum, this is a great album. It is fairly dense, so need a few listens to get into it. My favorites are 1040, Zeros and Ones, and Mezzanine Faction. If the physicist Neil deGrasse Tyson were to be a 90s alt band, this would be it. That's my favorite line from his... Uh, from his- notes on this on this record they released another album free online in 2009 which we mentioned earlier which is also great uh check out their facebook page enjoy and thanks p.s skip to the minute uh skip to the minute 745 on the last track for a couple short songs we'll get into what that means uh a little bit later so i want to provide one piece of uh information about this record the producer of this record Frankfurt Telephonics is Mr. Steve Fisk. Jay, does that name ring a bell? It does. Pigeonhead. Yes, the man who is the second half of Pigeonhead with Sean Smith. He's uh, also Washington-based, I guess a engineer, producer, and musician. He's worked with a lot of bands like the Posies and Lowe, Soul Coughing, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, Boss Hog. Harvey Danger, and um, has released his own material uh, on uh, labels such as K Records and SST Records. So that is uh, the info about Steve Fisk. Let's get into the record. Mars Accelerator. Let's get physical. Let's get physical. Let me hear your body talk, Jay. Specifically, let's talk. I hear that. Let's hear. Let's hear it talk about. I had a big dinner. Did you? You might hear some talking. Wow. All right. Let's go uh, what I liked, what I didn't like. This is a long record. A lot of long songs. 11 of them. Let's talk about what we liked. Uh, Last episode, we did uh, what I liked, what I didn't like, and I started. So I'm going to throw the floor open to you, Jay. Tell me, Jay, one thing that you liked about Frankfurt Telephonics by Mars Electric. Mars Accelerator. Damn it, you put Mars Electric in my head. <laughs> See? Mars Accelerator. 
30 seconds to Mars. 30 seconds to Mars. Or Mars Volta. I didn't realize how many Mars bands there are. I this know. Is, it's, it's creeping up on super and sugar territory. And then there's just Mars with two R's and, uh, and, and periods between each. It's getting kind of hectic, Jay. <clears throat> I know. Well, it's uh, it's hard to ignore the guitars, right? I mean, um, mm-hmm. they are they are very layered, very different, um, extremely creative. You know, that uh, lots of different tones, lots of different effects. Um, you've got riffs, you got leads, you got accents, you have noise. Um, there's a lot here to take in from a guitar standpoint, so. Um, as somebody who loves guitar and appreciates, uh, you know, creative and different kind of guitar playing, um, this this album's chock full of it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and they do, like you said, a, a lot of different sounds and a lot of different effects. Um, you know, a lot of bands sort of tried to go with a little bit more of a stripped down. Not, I don't want to say stripped down in like a garage sense, but you didn't get a lot of effects in say a Pearl Jam record in the 90s or an Alice in Chains you know you might have some like wah mm. or some delay something like that but sure. there is there are all sorts of things going on on this record and um, I think the thing that stood out for me you know the first time I listened to this record it was like a punch in the face because this is a dense record but as I sort of digested it more and more I think I one of the things I appreciated besides the, the guitar playing which is all over the place is how this record builds because the first song is really, really off-putting. I mean, it's like this skeleton of a song. It's called Spites Are, Are Looming. And it's very jagged and broken. And I, I was listening to this and I was like, what is this record going to be? This is like the antithesis of um, the last record we did, which was uh, Sugar Plastic, which was this sort of take on power pop and this is going in the complete opposite direction. And sometimes it's nice to take a complete, you know, 180 degree turn from one album to the next. record builds um i think around songs four and five when you get into like jupiter fell into a lapse that's when i started to hear like the built to spill and uh pop sensibility which saying pop sensibility on this record is a, is a pretty dangerous thing because they're not going for like traditional pop hooks but mm-hmm. they're putting them in they're putting some really interesting melodies in and that's the first song where i was like oh okay 
they really has a, have a grasp of like this sort of twisted pop that like built the spill or the modest especially early, early modest mouse or even bands like mercury rev or flaming limps like they would be doing and it and it continues on from there into captains the spies and um all the way up to uh um zeros and ones is another standout track for me so i really liked how this the song got the, the album got progressively more and more interesting and more and more um i don't want to say poppy but just a little bit more and maybe it was because i was sort of understanding what they were doing more but it gets a little bit more digestible as you move through the record to the point where like it almost becomes you know like a latter day uh or or, or later 90s built to spill record where you kind of hear these melodies that are a bit odd but they creep up on you and you're like you can kind of start to remember things after a couple listens yeah i think i I agree with that the and i think zeros and ones is a great example of that in fact well it's probably my favorite song on the record and it does push the their notion of commercial or pop sensibilities you know to limit for them it also includes something that's interesting it has what I believe is a drum machine or at least augmented drums, mm-hmm. which normally I would, you know, if I had to come one way or the other, I'm mo- in most cases I would say, you know, I'd prefer a live drummer. But in this case, it kind of helps this band quite a bit. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's a case of it just being refreshing at that point in the album to hear something different or if it's, you know, uh, just a really good, uh, juxtaposition in terms of uh, rhythm and, and what they do with guitar. That, that song works particularly well, but it falls into the uh, the uh, same situation with most of this record. Um, we start to talk about, um, you know, later day built a spell and then some of the other comparisons you made. Um, I think most of the songs are good for the first couple minutes. It's the remaining five. <laughs> Yeah. Or four that leave me scratching my head. So, you know, even a song like, yeah, 1040M, which you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. 
Um, I really love uh, how that song sets up. You know, it's got this really strange but very cool uh, guitar, like a warbly kind of reverb guitar sound. It's very, I don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty, but it's kind of fragile and odd. And it's got some, you know, they kind of juxtapose that with big chunkier chords and a driving bass. So there's some nice contrast going on there. Um, with how they layer things. There's some nice shifts and turns. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden it becomes another song, like right. completely. Um, things cut out. They change chords. Um, they go. I think they go back to the intro like chord structure, but yeah. they play it like in a, t- not halftime, but just like a totally different tempo. Like it's way slower, yep. but not, you know, not in an A clearly like they just cut the time. It's It's a different, time signature altogether. song um and by the end it just devolves into sort of noise and nonsense and <laughs> I, I you know i think that's a good example that's always a good example of most of this record for me is that um, those early opening minutes are very very cool especially when they pick up the tempo because um all the guitar uh, what's the right word Let's say gymnastics that are going on there you know the the cuts and the interspersing of overdubs and different you know angular parts and effects and everything when you speed that up that becomes even more interesting because it's kind of like keeps your brain active you know what i mean in the music um but it is you know and so when the tempo's up that that makes even even more compelling for me yeah i was gonna say i almost feel like you know this would have benefited from them chopping up the songs and making them separate tracks and almost making like like with a rush song where you'd have you know part one part two part three and you would split them into like separate you know two minute long tracks uh i kind of feel like in a lot of instances where they do kind of go off on a bizarre tangent that has nothing to do with the where the song started that and 1040M is a perfect example. It would have really helped if that if that song had been cut up because, that, like you mentioned, that like first two minutes of the song, 
are, is this like this really interesting guitar line over an up-tempo beat and then it just devolves into this chaotic mess which is not necessarily bad i think and i think that that's one of the things that works for me is like on a whole listening to this as a piece of music this entire record works for me but when i start breaking down the parts like the way that it's sequenced and the way that it's um with the way that each of the songs are compiled i that's what sort of falls apart for me uh, and I really like the the overall, but not the bits and pieces when you put them when you separate them, which is not un, you know that's that's something that's happened before, where we listen to an album and go, oh, this is a, this is a cool album, but when they start to dissect it, that's where the trouble starts. Yeah, it's um, I found it to be good music to have on when I was working and sort of doing other things, and not because. It's easy to ignore, but because it just, it's so creative and it kind of like, I felt like it, it's kind of brain food almost, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with all the stuff that's going on and, um, it, there's enough, uh, it's distant enough that you can kind of zone out a little bit, but it's still kind of like, I don't know, perks your interest here and there, uh, mentally. And, and there's a lot of cool ideas. Um, you know, from a pop standpoint, one of the things that's tough about it is that, especially towards the end of the record, things just become so fleeting. Like, the melodies are, that are there, they kind of show themselves, but it, it just, they move on so quick. You know what I mean? There's like these little blips and bursts of things you want to grab onto, and then it's just gone, and then they don't reprise it. They move on to something, you know, they're just constantly moving on to the next thing. Um, I think after like serious repeated listens, all of that would start to gel together, but it's, it's, it's a difficult record. There's no doubt about that to, um, to really feel like you've you've absorbed it and kind of get, um, where they're going with it. Yeah. And in a, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of a band that you were probably referencing at the beginning with your North Carolina comment, and it's Polvo. Mm. You know, very similar in the sense that, you know, the melodies are not apparent the first time you're listening to it in terms of, like, a pop melody. But there are these weird, twisted things going on that catch your ear and sort of become familiar after a listener or two. And... Same thing with like a band like, you know, I think an obvious influence on this band is like Sonic Youth in terms of these bizarre sort of uh, guitar adventures that they go on. But I don't think that, you know, Polvo is successful to me because um, underneath it all, they are able to construct these interesting songs where if the vocal melody isn't necessarily the the main melody, they're able to find something, something going on in the guitars or in the bass that really hook you in as far as the melodies go. And sometimes it's even by using sort of uh, non-traditional Western, you know, scales. They might use like an Eastern scale or something like that and really, you know, go off the beaten path. Um, whereas with this album, I didn't necessarily feel like even when I didn't necessarily feel like the guitars or the, or any other instrument was picking up the the melody slack which is really i mean 
you know, when it comes down to it, you know, I don't want to listen to somebody just play four chords or eight chords or 12 chords. I want to he- I need to hear something on top of that. And that that was missing yeah. at some points. Yeah, you also don't want to hear listen to somebody play um a random uh, what's what's a seemingly random arrangement of 24 notes. <laughs> right. Um at times I feel like a little bit like that on this record. You know what band that came to mind that I don't know, you might think I'm a little bit nutty here, but um especially on a song like Mezzanine Faction, uh it reminded me of like Shudder to Think without the really razor sharp precision musicianship you know like that band you think about like the weird notes and chord structures and Mm -hmm. song structures they used was not that dissimilar to the approach that this band's taking the main difference is i think the the presentation of that idea so their presentation is way more lo-fi and ragged and looser and you know it seems like a lot of the stuff that's going on here is um Maybe even a little bit accidental, you know, happened in the studio, they captured it, they move on. Whereas with Shutter to Think, you're like, okay, these guys, like, this is insane music. But what, what makes it even more insane is that they've planned out every single note and moment of this and, and rehearsed it 5,000 times. And when they play it live, I guarantee it sounds exactly like this. Right. Um, I don't get that sense from this band, you know, in, in terms of that part of the presentation. In fact, I, I, I even <coughs> wondered how this band pulled this off live. You know, and if they did pull it off live or if it was some other interpretation of it, because there's just so many like what seems like guitar over overdubs and, and layered on top of each other and just just strange effects. And just it's really cool from a record standpoint because they capture some really interesting sounds um, through, through that. But in terms of a live band um, and the comparison to Shutter, I think I, I just wonder if, you know, how much of this was studio magic and how much of it is, you know, actual pre um, determined songwriting and, you know, scripted based on listening to this band and and what you just mentioned. My guess is, is that this was not a band that sounded exactly like their record live, that they probably went off on longer jammier tangents. And I can see them taking a song that's like six or seven minutes long here and turning that into like a 10 or 11 minute long jam with a lot more noise, a lot an extended, you know, guitar, you know, freak out involved. It, it, you know, it reminded me of you had a, uh, a guitar pedal I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, was it the frequency something? Oh, the frequency analyzer. That's it. Yeah. That you could never reproduce really the same notes twice. Like yeah. you could kind of get in the ballpark, yeah. but you could never really get back to exactly what you did the first time because it was almost like a theremin for your guitar. Mm-hmm. I kind of and imagine I, that that band is sort of like the embodiment of that instrument or of that right. pedal. Right. Yeah, because it's creating octave notes using a dial. So you're like, and you've got three dials. So to get the exact octave notes that you want, again, requires you to, you know, Play the same note. Remember the three in the three knob combination, which is um, without any clicks. You know what I mean? Like, so you've right. done like six. Difference between six and six and a half is a different note. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Yeah. So you could never get back there. And that, and the, yeah, I feel like this band is. There's moments like that that happen, and to get back there, I don't think you could. So, uh, 
I'm not quite sure what they did live, but I, at the end of the day, I guess that doesn't matter in terms of, um, you know, the record. I think right. what they did capture, they captured some really cool sounds. It's just not sure if they captured some really cool songs. And that's really always the, I guess, the knock on what would be called math rock, which is sort of the nerdier subgenre of, I don't know, uh, post-hardcore. Is that is that the right sort of I direction? I don't know. I guess. I've always wondered what that, I mean, I've heard the term and I've heard bands described as that, and I've listened to some of those bands, but I never quite understood. I've um, always thought of it as, as bands that, like, take real pleasure and, and 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 really get into like odd time signatures doing very calculated um, uh, structures and songs so that they mathematically like work out in certain ways like you know setting things up so that they have like a you know two verses and then a two chorus and then a two bar chorus and then a four cor- four bar verse and a four bar chorus and a six and a, you know like doing like these weird mathematical yeah. you know, structures to their songs and and you know playing in seven eight and five four seamlessly between bouncing between those you know time signatures and then going to four four with you know the drummer playing you know you could have you could have the band playing in four four but the drummer playing a three four and then adding an extra beat uh, it, it just those sorts of like oddball things that like you know, some bands might do it once. You know, they might do an odd time signature here or there. But to me, the, the math rock bands are the ones that are, are doing that on every song. They're incorporating it into every aspect of every song, whether it's the the way that the the drum and the bass match up with the way the guitars are playing or the vocals being sung or what have you. But that's the, you know, we're talking about whether they replicate this live or not that's the the element to me that's like very planned out and very uh, uh, discussed and and ruminated on in terms of you know you're not just gonna play four four you're not gonna play one two three four one two three four in every song every song is gonna be a challenge in that sense mm-hmm. and that that to me is like the math rock genre in it in a very long and sort of circular <laughs> ex- explanation. But math rock is, uh, isn't it like super precise and like repeatable? Isn't that part of it? Like you're, it's, you know, it's like Prague, right? I mean, but a, a more, I guess, contemporary take on Prague. No? Uh, well, I think progressive rock can become grandiose. And I never, yeah. I think oh, of yeah, math, yeah. math rock as being more grounded in like a shoegaze, having yeah, a shoegaze yeah. element to it. Right, because they embrace like um, the noise of like feedback and distortion mm. more so than like a progressive rock band, which I think sure. as as being a more like studio precise sort of sound. Yeah, so there's aspects of math rock that um, that aren't necessarily re- repeatable, or that's not a huge concern. You know, you'll do some stuff in the studio, maybe not be able to pull it off live or. Sure. Really, okay. That's that's my interpretation. That you know, people out there who are listening to this might disagree, but that's that's how I sort of look at it. So let's talk about our overalls on Mars Accelerator. Uh, how would we rate this record? Whether it be a worthy album, a better EP, or a decent single? 
Um, usually I throw this to you, Jay, but I'm going to start this one so that uh, we can do a little change up here. Do it, you bomb. So I, I'm going to two-tier this. I think this is a worthy album as a like sort of a cohesive listening experience. But if I have to pick songs, I think it's an EP for me. Um, I think there's like five or six songs that I think are really interesting and cool. But I don't know that there's necessarily like a singular entry point to go to someone and say, hey, you need to check out Mars Accelerator. Check out the song Zeros and Ones. Like, that would be, this is hard. Like, I feel like you need to sit down yeah. and listen to this record and just chill out and put on a pair of headphones and turn it up loud and sort of let it flow over you. And then you'll figure out whether you like this record. Because, I mean, right off the bat, that first track is so jarring to most people, probably, that you're going to know. And I would say to people, hold on, it's going to get it's it's going to get a little bit, you know, easier to digest as you move through it. But the the first, you know, the first half of the record is a little more experimental than the back half of the record. Although, I mean, there's obviously these experiments going on throughout the entire record. It's like a goddamn high school chemistry class. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is a record where if you get past the first couple songs and you're, like, interested, it's going to be something that you're going to really like. Whereas yeah. if, it, if you hear the first song and you're like, oh, dear God, what the hell is this? You just turn it off and go away. Um, so as an as a overall album, I think it's worthy. But if I'm going to pick songs from it, I'm at, like, four songs. Oh, it's an EP. Oh, so you're an EP? I'm at an EP for... Jeez. <laughs> you just basically talked about why it was such a great album, and then you're like, yeah, it's an EP. Well, I'm saying, like, there are probably, you know, five or six songs that I think that they're are fine, but they're not worthy. They need to, they need editing. Okay. They need, you know, that sort of thing. So gotcha. okay. that's where I'm at. I, I'm, 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 I think, with you. Uh, it's, it's not a matter of, like, if I'm... Tell me if you agree with this point. It's not a matter of like picking and choosing songs to get to the EP as much as it is. I can't give it a full album rating because I think in the majority of the cases, I'm looking at the songs here. I would say nine out of 11 songs. If you, you need to lop the second half of the song off. Um, So I can't say it's a worthy album when I'm saying every song should basically get cut in half. Right. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, that's where I'm coming to the to the EP um, rating in sort of an unconventional way. I think it's it's like half an album, you know, of of good stuff. Um, you can do that. You can cut and slice and dice that, or cut that up in any way you choose. But uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to say it's a it's a it's a good complete album. There you go, folks. We both agree. Uh, that there are elements that we like about this record, but needs some editing and has a few songs that we both enjoyed. So check out Mars Accelerator. Unfortunately, their website is down, but they do have a Facebook page. Has not been updated since 2010, but you can go check out stuff on there. And they have a MySpace page for people from 2005. You want to go check that out. And uh, you can search the web and locate uh, music from this band. I think the entire 2009 album is on YouTube. 
they they put uh, each song up on YouTube, so you can actually listen to it that way. Hmm. If you so, I don't. They're not videos necessarily that accompany yeah. them. It's just the album cover, but you can check them all out. So, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over on iTunes page. I want to thank everyone for checking us out, whether it be on uh, iTunes or Radio IO or Stitcher or however you receive this transmission. We greatly appreciate it. Of course, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com for our request review page as well as our daily updates. For Jay, I'm Tim. That's another one in the books. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Oh.